0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Welcome in on a Monday, and we're going to react right away to breaking news that just came down, not even 60 seconds. Before I was planning on hitting record today. This is the Rubber Report. I'm Michael Borkey. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Really glad you are with me although we're about to look at some unfortunate news and because of the timing of this and I've got a lot of uh, a lot of things that I've got to do today, so I I didn't sit down and like prep for this. I'm going to react to this story in real time with you. So you're going to like hear my thoughts unfold as they happen as we go through this story out of Miami. According to ESPN and multiple people at this point, the Miami Marlins' home opener against the Baltimore Orioles uh, tonight, scheduled for tonight, has been canceled. That is according to Jeff Passan of ESPN. A coronavirus outbreak has happened within the clubhouse there. Eight more players and two coaches within the organization have tested positive for coronavirus, as an outbreak has spread throughout their clubhouse and brought the total cases in recent days to at least 14. Uh, The Miami Marlins remain in Philadelphia and continue to undergo testing uh, after their weekend series there. It's also possible that the infections occurred Wednesday on the team's trip to and from Atlanta. They played an exhibition game there before the season started. On Sunday, four Marlins players tested positive, including that day's starter, and the team decided to stay behind. And here we go. So this is obviously not good, right? I mean, you know, there's your your hot take of the day. There's also, according to people on Twitter, there's also worries that other teams are also uh, going to experience or are experiencing positive tests throughout uh, their clubhouse as well. So, man, uh, how do I react to this in real time? Um Juxtaposed with the Marlins outbreak in Major League Baseball to Major League Soccer and the NBA's bubble and the difference in results, Major League Baseball has played one full weekend of baseball and they already have at least one team that is sidelined probably for a long time because of an outbreak within its clubhouse. But Major League Soccer yet again turned around zero positives in their bubble in Orlando, and the NBA's bubble is working swimmingly as well with zero positives, no outbreak going on there as well. If you remember, Major League Baseball had proposed to its players to create a bubble and the players said no. The bubble's working in Major League Soccer, in the NBA, at least as far as we know right now, and Major League Baseball couldn't get through an entire weekend without an outbreak. So you think the players probably wish they would have gone the bubble route now, um, that may prove to be a pretty significant misstep when it comes to Major League Baseball. Uh, but what do you do here? I, I mean, as insensitive as it may be, and of course because everybody just overreacts immediately on, immediately on Twitter when things like this happen, it's, oh, shut it down, shut it down, we're not going to have a season, it needs to be shut down, it's over, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, this is a really significant outbreak in Miami, But they should have been prepared for something like this. If they were not, it's just another example of Major League Baseball's leadership. And I know a lot of you are thinking, well, you know, if you think that they were prepared for this, you don't understand baseball and their leadership issues. But they should have been prepared for this or something like this. Maybe not 14 out of 30, but they should have been prepared for something like this how to handle an outbreak within a clubhouse. What do you do next? Should have been something they discussed at length with medical professionals and otherwise. So just screaming and crying, shut it down, is reactionary and a little ridiculous. They don't have to do that as long as they have a good plan in place for what they do. Now, I'm no medical expert. I don't know what that plan should be. But if if your answer to one or two or three teams even with an, a small outbreak within their clubhouse is to just shut everything down... That that's that's reactionary. I don't think they have to do that just yet, depending on what other reporting comes out later on. I mean, maybe you have to make the Marlins forfeit games that they can't field a team for. I mean, you, you have to at least have them take a couple of days off to do a couple rounds of testing to see who else may potentially have it. But I just, with all of the things that are at stake here, Just shutting the season down because of an outbreak within one team, I don't think that's something that they're willing to do. Now, I could be dead wrong. I could be dead wrong. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to hit publish on this podcast, and they're going to announce a league-wide shutdown. But I would be very surprised if they let this shut their season down. Now, they may have to do some things like, play double-headers later on in the season, I guess, Uh, or maybe hit a pause on everything. Peter Burns just came across my feed, said they should hit a pause, a 48-hour pause, on travel and everything else and test everybody and get results turned around. Um, That's an idea that they should consider. I think that makes a lot of sense because if your reaction is, they had some positive tests in Miami and then potentially other places as to, oh, just give up and shut it down. No, you don't have to go there just yet. I like Peter's idea. Major League Baseball's got to have a plan in place. But it's very clear that the bubble situation would have been the better option for baseball. And they've got to be kicking themselves hard, really hard, for not taking the bubble route. But also, how did... This outbreak happened in Miami? Where did they get it from? Where did it start? Did it come in a facility? Did it come from a player that didn't follow the appropriate protocols to or places to avoid? They need to figure out where this potentially came from and where the crack in the foundation is. That's the next step is figuring out how this happened. Because when you look at what's coming next, or what people are going to try to do next with football, um, it's inc- everybody's eyes are going to be on how Major League Baseball responds to this. And I could not imagine a worse league to hope does the right thing than Major League Baseball. Could not imagine that. So, oh, oh boy. Then, of course, my, my mind goes straight to, you know, what does this mean for college football? because most of you are college football fans, that's why you're listening to an Ole Miss-related podcast, because of their football team. So what does this mean for college football? Major League Baseball's outbreak. Um, I think what you have to do is, even though the optics of that are bad, but at what point do you stop giving a damn about what Dan Wolken's going to write in USA Today and just ensuring that you can put a product on the field? uh it, The optics wouldn't look good, but if college football is going to work, you have to create a quasi-bubble. You have to—and maybe people won't like that, and you'll get bad stuff written about you, And I I guess. But if they want it to happen, I think this is the only way, is to create some kind of a bubble-type situation— Or else, you might as well not even try. I mean, Major League Baseball is going through this right now, and Michigan State shut down their entire football workout for two weeks because you had positive tests. Rutgers, same thing. A handful of positives, everything shut down. And if that's how you're going to approach the season, you might as well not even try. If you're going to just approach it the way that they have everything set up, and one positive case is going to derail you for two weeks, uh, just don't even try. I mean, just Seriously, just give up college football. Don't even try. It'd be a waste of time if one positive test is going to derail a team for two weeks. Don't even try. It, they just need to give it up. But if they're going to actually make an effort, you, you have to create some kind of a bubble. You have to know where your kids are going. Or else this is all just a waste of time. Because students are going to be welcomed back to campus soon, here in a few weeks. And although class sizes are going to be tiny uh, when they do happen, most of it will be online, they're still going to have students in town. And what do college students do? They hang out, they party. And they are probably not taking the appropriate coronavirus protocols when it comes to hanging out together and doing things that college students do. That has to be completely avoided if they want to try a season because an outbreak is going to happen everywhere. It's going to happen at Ole Miss. It's going to happen at Mississippi State. It's going to happen at Alabama and Auburn and Texas A&M. It's going to happen everywhere. LSU, it's already happened. And Ed Orgeron said that his players aren't going to parties anymore, but... It's easy to say that when it's the summer and there aren't as many people around, but when you bring everyone back, what do you do? So that's the only way. I know the optics aren't good. You can't ask college students to be in some kind of a bubble, and maybe that's what stops them from doing that. But if that's. If one positive test in Michigan State's case, derails a team for two weeks, then just don't even try. Just don't even try. But, again, back to the baseball front. My mind's all scattered. I didn't have time to sit down and write thoughts. I so just hit record so I can react to this in real time with you. Um, basically, consider this like this is what would happen if, if this was live radio, how we'd be re- reacting to this. Um, the Yankees are supposed to play tonight in Philadelphia. Um it's where the Marlins just played their three games, and it's under consideration that that game is postponed as well. So things are um, things are happening quickly in baseball, but I, I just a shutdown is not required just yet. It shouldn't be anyway. But God, they've got to be really regretting not doing the bubble. They shut that down immediately, and the NBA players decided they wanted to do it, and you had Major League Soccer players decide they want to do it, and the PGA Tour is doing some kind of a deal where they take one jet from location to location, and um, Major League Baseball is the only one that has said no so far. And they've got to be regretting that. And I know with when it comes to, to football teams and the operation, that's why I said quasi-bubble when it comes to college football, because you can't just like take them to a remote location, but maybe you can be stricter about where they go and what they do. Same thing in the NFL. So the, the NFL and its players just agreed recently on their... Uh, their return to play or their start to play protocols, and they're going to get tested all the time. And uh, there's punishment for um, attending events, going to bars, going to clubs. Like there's punishment for all of that. But they can't. You can't create a bubble in the NFL. I mean, traveling parties are, are massive. Just to put on a game, to travel as a team, to go somewhere else requires a lot of people. And so, how do you approach that? Because doing the bubble the way the NBA is doing it, and I keep using that word a lot, um, is logistically impossible for the NFL. They can't pick a location and everybody go there for six months. They can't do that. So maybe you have to do it uh, just by location. Uh, You get the Saints to only go between their home and the practice facility. And if you go outside of those two places, you get punished. You get your salary docked. You have to miss the game. I, I mean, that's, that's what you have to do. Michael Thomas, his tweet comes across my feed that says the NFL is next as far as creating a bubble. Maybe that's how you have to do it. It's simply because um, that's the only way you're going to play. It, logistically, you can't create a full-on bubble, but maybe you restrict them to simply you can be at your house with your family and you can be at the facility. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. I think it's a fair compromise, uh, considering NBA players are removed from their families completely while they're in Orlando, to say, you can live at home, you can be at home. They have the means to test the the families of these players, the people that will be at their home. You can be at home, and you can be at the facility, but don't go anywhere else. Maybe they have to come to that kind of agreement to make the season happen, uh, because Quite simply, if you just let them live, they're going to do what young people with a lot of money do. And they're going to go to clubs, and they're going to be out. They're going to go do stuff. Well, maybe you have to restrict it now and punish them for uh, for not following. It's um, It's tough. I don't know what they do. I mean, maybe they can create pods where you have eight bubbles or four. And the teams in the bubble all play each other. And that's how you start it. Maybe you can do something like that, but the the clock is ticking. I don't know if there's enough time for that. Um Hmm. I think that's the most logical way, off the top of my head, right, is is just to restrict where they can go and then punish them harshly if they if they're seen elsewhere. Get them to agree to it. Say if they if they go anywhere else besides their home in the facility, I know as shitty as that sounds, if they want to put the product on, that may be how they have to do it. And so you, you dock salary. You take two weeks' pay and, and not let them play or, or more if they break that sort of a bubble. Maybe that's what the NFL has to do. I mean, you've got to keep your, your players safe and you've got to keep the product on the field. And maybe that's how you have to do it. It's probably too late for that that hub idea, isn't it? To have four or eight hubs. It's, it's too late. Um, they just have to get the, the teams to cooperate as much as possible and hope that they follow the rules and test them all the time, uh, almost daily, and really... Be careful about how you practice and how you train and and do it that way. I mean, something happened with Major League Baseball. And they, correct me if I'm wrong, after you listen to this, this isn't live, so I can't say this live. Um, I don't think Major League Baseball had as strict of can't-go-places policies as the NFL did. Or as the NFL will. As far as where you're allowed to go and where you're not allowed to go, but... I mean, that's how you do it. And the NFL, I think, will do it. They're putting on a product, man. Everybody thinks the NFL is just going to get canceled. No, they're not. They're going to play. That's the one league that can handle the negative PR, whatever you want to call it, if they play through outbreaks and stuff. The NFL, they're too big to fail. They can do it. Now, you can argue all day long about whether or not they should do it, uh, but they will. That's just how they will. uh I'm not endorsing or um, condemning that idea. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, They can survive that and they can force that. But can college football do that? Can can a college football program tell the player you can only be at our facility or at your house off campus or at your dorm room? Can you do that? I think they can. I don't think it's a good look, but I think they can. And if they want to have a season, that's probably the only way they're going to go about it, is if they do it that way. The only way. This is tough. Um, You guys are probably sick of hearing about coronavirus, aren't you? I know I am. I'm sick of talking about it. I'm ready to get things back to normal, and uh, I don't know if that's coming anytime soon. All right, I think that's uh, that's about all I got as far as just instant reaction to that kind of news. Um, I'm sure things are going to change a handful of times by the time you listen to this, but um, glad you listened and hope you enjoyed that that real-time uh, just unraveling of thoughts uh, during some pretty significant sports Breaking news, as unfortunate as it may be, but you just hope, knock on wood, knock on wood that Major League Baseball has a plan for this. I see a quote here. Uh, The commissioner of the Big 12, uh, Bob Bowlesby, said, uh, was asked for comment after this news came out, and he said, quote, if we are advised that it's okay to play the season, we should all expect that there will be such disruptions. So it sounds like he's prepared for that. And they should be. Because expecting... uh, this to, to go on with no positive tests, I think you're crazy. And it, at least, if nothing else, the susceptibility of that age group is minimal. So, whew, we will see. Now, going from one problem to the next, though, and, and this is um, some significant news in relation to Ole Miss, um, this time of year... You do not want to be in the news, right? Because it's one of two things. If you're a college football program, it's you had an outbreak within your facility and you need to shut it down for two weeks or that you had a player get arrested. And that did happen uh, with Ole Miss. Sam Williams was arrested for sexual battery. And Ole Miss' statement on the matter was this. We have suspended Sam Williams indefinitely from all team activities. We take these charges very seriously and will allow the legal system to run its course before making further determinations on his status within our program. So after this news broke on Saturday afternoon, if I remember correctly is when it broke, um, I started asking around people you know, that I know that maybe would know about what happened, and uh, I got nothing on the record. I had nobody that was able to tell me uh, anything definitive about exactly why he was arrested or anything like that. Um, I I can't get anybody to to tell me for sure, and I'm certainly not going to speculate. I I can't speculate about something like this, and I hope you guys understand understand that. I've seen uh, the rumors, and and I've heard of things that have been floating around. Um, I've been asked a lot over the last couple of days, if this is true or if that is true, and, and I, I cannot go down that road on this platform or any of the ones that I have. Um, yeah, That's just, you guys understand, that, that is simply just not something that, that I can do and that I'm willing to do. Uh, if it's a charge in an offense of, of this nature, if it did happen, there is a victim, if it did not happen, then it's a really sensitive case that needs to be handled with um, as much factual evidence as humanly possible before making any kind of judgment. It's a serious thing, as old Mrs. statement said, and I cannot speculate about it. I'll leave that to the, the online people to do if they want to, but I, I can't. I hope you guys understand that. Um, the internet does make things like this hard, though, because... Uh, when something happens like this, things spread like wildfire on social media and message boards and stuff like that. I got a text on Saturday night uh, from a friend that said, "Neil McCready's message board said this. Is it true?" And it sucks for people, the message board operators, uh, Neil and Chase and and Ben and the guys at the Spirit, and, and for anybody that operates message boards when people post things that they've heard or whatever on their board, their name gets attached to it. In this case, Neil McCready's name got attached to a rumor about why Sam Williams got arrested. And it wasn't Neil that said it. And it just, it sucks for those guys that operates message boards when they, their names get attached to things that spread like that, because the text literally said, I saw on Neil McCready's message board, this is what happened. And not only can I not verify that information, but Neil's not it didn't come from him. It just came from a dude that posts on his board. And it, I can't imagine how they have to to deal with that on a regular basis. Uh, their name's getting attached to things that they did not say. I bet it's a pain in the ass. But um, I, I don't know. I can't get anything on, on record from people I've talked to. And I doubt there's going to be much available. And maybe I'm wrong. But I doubt there's going to be much available outside of conjecture and rumor And when it's a case like this and a charge like this, I cannot go down that road. I think it's unprofessional at best. Uh, So I'm not going to do it. Uh, So all I know is what you know, is that he was arrested for that charge, and Ole Miss has suspended him indefinitely from all team activities, and they're going to let the legal system run its course. Uh, There is a presumption of innocence until proven guilty, uh, but the decision for Ole Miss would be pretty easy. I mean, once once the facts come out, it's pretty cut and dry of how you handle a situation like this as a football program, uh, depending on what happened. It's a very simple decision. And just from a football perspective, if they do happen to lose him, if they do, um, and of course, as you Ole Miss fans, you hope it's not true. You hope he didn't commit something like this um, so you hope it's not true and he can get exonerated soon and join your team. But, but if that doesn't happen, it's a massive loss because that defensive line is already thin. I mean, just from bodies, it's thin, let alone experience or, or real talent. He was by far the best guy, is the best guy on that defensive line. He's got an NFL potential, real NFL potential. Um, he's, he's a guy that could be an early-round draft pick with a good season. He changed his body over the offseason, looks physically really good, and uh, is a guy that was poised to have a really big year. So if he is not able to rejoin the team, it's a massive, massive loss for Ole Miss. It's the last guy on defense that you wanted to see wrapped up in something like this. The very last guy, uh, considering what he can do on the football field. But um, we'll see what happens there I, I again. I'm sorry, I can't give you more. I know you listen to stuff like this to get more information, but I've got nothing to give you when it comes to something like this. Uh, We'll talk rumors and and stuff like that when it comes to coaching searches and things that are going on behind the scenes and stuff, not when it comes to criminal matters Uh, of a college football player. Just can't do it. So. I know for sure what you know for sure, and uh, we will obviously be keeping a very close eye on this situation moving forward and what it means for for Ole Miss and and for Sam and um, how this process moves forward. Ole Miss is making the right call. You don't have to dismiss a player right away. Let the legal system run its course. Get the facts first before you just kick a dude off your team because it's possible that he didn't do it. That's why you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Uh, So we'll keep a very close eye uh, on this situation. But if he can't join the team, it's obviously a very big loss uh, for Ole Miss. And last thing for you uh, as we move forward with the morning, um, scheduling news. Feels kind of silly to be talking about this right now, but scheduling news out of the Big 12. Two programs now, Oklahoma and Kansas, have actually moved up the start of their football season. They petitioned to the NCAA, it got approved. They moved up their college football season, including Oklahoma, who's supposed to play Tennessee in Week 2. Kansas is the other one for whatever it's worth to you, but let's focus on Oklahoma here because, you know, people actually care about Oklahoma football. So here's why they did it. According to their own website, uh, Oklahoma Director of Athletics Joe Castiglione announced, uh, this was Friday, I believe, Uh, But they say today. That's bad writing, by the way. Uh, Just journalism 101 tip. When you're writing an article, never say today, tomorrow, or yesterday. Say the day of the week. Just for future reference. So for whoever's writing for uh, Oklahoma football's website, uh, they didn't announce today. They announced on the 25th, so that was Saturday. So it should say... Here's a vocabulary or a journalism lesson for you that you never thought you'd get. So instead of saying University of Oklahoma director of athletics Joe Castiglione announced today, it should say announced Saturday that Oklahoma season uh, the season opening football game against Missouri State in Norman has moved to Saturday, August 29th, one week earlier than originally scheduled. It says the NCAA approved a waiver to request or a waiver request from both schools to change the game to allow them more schedule flexibility and addressing potential issues related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oklahoma's second game of the season is scheduled for September 12th in Norman, while its third contest is September 26th in West Point, New York. They're playing at Army. That's pretty cool. Castiglione said, quote, If the season is indeed permitted to start as scheduled, the benefit of extra time between games will help our teams manage any variety of possible circumstances that may occur. Our original schedule had an open date between the second and third game, so we will now have a span of five weeks to play three games. It provides us a more gradual approach to safely manage the conditions of these unprecedented times, and thanks, Missouri State, blah, blah, blah. So that's an interesting concept, Uh, and when you position that with the ACC and reporting out of that league that they're actually looking at delaying the start of their season, it puts the SEC in kind of a funky spot because part of... And it may not work out this way. They may decide this isn't the best option, but part of the athletic directors meeting in Birmingham was teams still wanted to preserve some of their high-profile non-conference games. They wanted to keep them. So you've got some that have high-profile non-conference games with the Big 12. You've got Ole Miss Baylor. You've got Tennessee, Oklahoma, high-profile. Um, Vanderbilt and Kansas State. So that that's there. And LSU, Texas. And then you have high-profile games against ACC opponents with most of your rivalries and Auburn, North Carolina, Mississippi State, NC State. So you've got the Big 12 potentially moving up their season and the ACC potentially moving back their season. And the SEC, stuck in the middle, wants to preserve the games against both conferences. Um, if you listened to this a couple of weeks ago, you heard me propose shorter games, longer amount of time to do them build in potential quarantine periods even during the season, have multiple bye weeks, play two games and have a bye week, play two more games and have a bye week, extend the season. So if there is some kind of a small outbreak, you have built-in time periods to let that work itself out before you have to play again. That was the idea that I thought made the most sense. You've seen some other people reference ideas to shorten the season as much as possible, shrink it to like eight consecutive weeks of play to where you can more justify like creating a quasi-bubble and just a shorter time to have some kind of an outbreak within your program. So this is interesting. The SEC needs to make their decision soon. They said that they were going to make some kind of decision by the end of this month, and it's almost uh, the end of this month. Oh, by the way, uh, breaking news here from um, Major League Baseball. The official tally, there are nine Marlins players from the 30-man roster who are positive. That's five new ones, plus five others with the team. That includes coaches and employees. So 14 in their traveling party. Jeff Passan says it's 11 of the 33 who have, players who have been traveling with the team and two coaches. Those are two tweets that are four minutes apart. So Jeff Passan says it's 11 infected players of the 33 who have been traveling with the team and two coaches. John Heyman, who is with Major League Baseball Network, said there are nine players from the 30-man roster and five others with the team, including coaches and other employees. So maybe that's just splitting hairs with the difference, but there's your, uh, there's your outbreak. But anyway, back to what I was talking about. So the scheduling news out of the Big 12 and then you have the reporting that the ACC is considering the 10-plus-1 model to preserve their major non-conference games, but starting in mid-September puts the SEC in a bit of a bind. Um, Although, I do think Bob Bowlesby in the Big 12 seemed to be very flexible with time. I like that approach and I like that strategy. Stretch the season out. Give yourself time to move things around if you need to. Work on some stuff so I think they directly impact the SEC, both of these decisions, but not in a major way. Because I go back to this, it certainly feels like those three leagues are going to work together as much as possible to try to play a season and preserve their games against each other. So there's news coming from the SEC soon. I don't know what it's going to look like just yet. I still think you might see a slight delay in the season. I do, but I think they're trying to do whatever they can to keep these major non-conference games on as long as they can play them. And after the news today, I mean, who knows um, what they're feeling right now around college football. Major League Baseball's response to this is going to have direct implications to uh, your college football season. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Keith Carter is watching Major League Baseball's response today, as is Greg Sankey. And they're going to form opinions and responses based on how Major League Baseball handles this. There's no doubt about that. So knock on wood, hope Major League Baseball gets this right, and um, we can try to play college football this year. It's a tough, tough morning, though, that's for sure. And by the way, the podcast is brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Go by and see Greg, tell them we sent you. Get one of their daily lunch specials or get your meat for a good week behind the grill. We're supposed to get some rainy weather, so you may have to do something inside, but uh, I saw Chris Malloy, like I told you a few weeks ago, he tweeted a picture of some swordfish he got from LB's, and man, it looked good. Uh, I've got a good recipe for that as well. I know some of you DM'd me for, uh, for my ribs, and I appreciated that. Uh, that was pretty cool to share that with you. I've got a good one for swordfish as well, so if you want to go by and see Greg get some swordfish and then use my recipe on it, I will happily... Uh, Send you one in a DM. It was excellent. You basically kind of cook it like a steak. Anyway, so I'll send it to you if you want it. Go by, see Greg at LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. The best place in Mississippi to buy your meat. Coming up at some point this week, I am going to get into uh, another Ole Miss team preview. So this time it'll be from The Athletic. I did Lindy's. I will do Phil Steele's. But uh, Wednesday will be the athletics team preview on Ole Miss, what they got right, what they got wrong. It's really well done. Of course it is by Andy Staples because he's the best. Uh, so we'll get into that on Wednesday. So be looking forward to that. And I think on Friday, if nothing breaks between now and then is when I'll do uh Phil Steele. So be on the lookout for that. Go by LB's C Greg. Tell him we sent you have a great week in spite of the news to get it started. Uh, just hope things get better. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi ah! media production.